Philosophy. Descartes. Debate. The Mepropod. 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 The awesomest discussion podcast in the history of the human species. Oh, yeah! Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a beak and feathers and things, but the poor old fella ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better to da-da-da. Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I can run the pants of a kangaroo. But da do 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 He can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. Right, in that case, welcome to member Report number 141, October 5th, 2015. Dave from the trash bin. What's no, going what? on? Woo! Yeah, yeah, it's true. We were, we really were. How's everyone doing? Uh, stories referring to the fact that um, I almost deleted uh, the deleted, raw file, but did not empty the trash. I did not bin, empty the trash bin for uh, episode 140 of the show because we just downloaded 139. Um, and I assume that's what this was. So you almost had a gap. You almost had like, you know, when you're like, trying to balance your checkbook and you're like, why do I go from check 119 to 121? That was almost like what this was. You almost lost check 120. Right. Yeah. And let me tell you what. That check was a gem. Card. Show 140 was a freaking gem. It was. It's lost to the world. Just it was. Now. Almost. almost. So fortunately, we almost. saved it. And that's good. <laughs> go back. Stop listening to this show. Go re-download the last show. <laughs> Because it's awesome. Do it again. Well, it's actually all true. Right. Like, they're listening to it. They're like, oh, yeah, that was such a great show. I just listened to it. Because, of course, everyone, all of our fans listen to these things just in binge, you know, I mean, just, just in runs of, like, ten at a time. So, I mean, they're sort of shocked right now. This would be like someone making a reference in, like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, a, like a Veronica Mars DVD series, like, playthrough. And being like, what do you mean episode two, season five? That was an awesome thing, you know? So fortunately, we didn't delete it. So that was there. You go. That was the case. Actually, you know, I, have you guys? Do either of you guys do that? Have you guys like the only season? I think the only thing that I own that's like that, like a TV show with a season, is a friend of mine got me the first season of Twenty Four, like a number of years ago, which was a really bad idea because I basically sat there and watched pretty much Twenty Four straight episodes, practically. Um, but that's pretty much the only thing I have like that. Well, and I guess the Equalizer, because I do have that, like, show. I do have episodes of that. I do have seasons of that show. But do you guys have anything like that or not? Do you, do you like, have no TV series? Oh, my God, what? <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Russ, are you getting group. closer Russ to the living streets? in a car chase. I really, <laughs> I like. you need television? Jesus, like, Russ is the Mad Max of the whole show. But by, by, I like, don't know if that was Smokey or the Bandit. I'm two months sure from now, Russ is just going to actually be like, I'm coming to you from the back of a car and a God. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, so do you guys have TV I, series you watch? I've no, been like... susceptible to that in the past. Uh, the first memory I have is doing it with The Wire because I tore up my knee and I downloaded all of the seasons as I'd watched none of them while they were airing. And I watched them all in a month as I was recovering from non-knee surgery, but gotcha. knee injury and just sitting there and having refused surgery, just waiting for it to be better. Um, <laughs> like you do and then, if you're Russ. Yeah, like I do. I, the body heals itself, um, usually. And uh, I had a number of other series over time. An Idiot Abroad, I think I trucked through that pretty quickly. That was really fun. Um, Deadwood, no, I watched that as it came out. I 
Oh, uh, all the new Amazon Prime series, uh, which I would highly recommend, uh, Mozart in the Jungle and uh, Transparent. Did those pretty fast. Yeah. Because if they, re- they release 10 episodes at a time and that's the whole season, why not just watch 10 episodes? Why, why space it out? Yeah. That sort of binge. It really does sort of change the effect of watching the sort of week-to-week thing. And, like, the cliffhanger doesn't have quite the same thing because you're like, it's a cliffhanger. Let me turn in the next one. Oh, that's how that happened. You know, it doesn't have quite the yeah, same I, effect. I watched Lost like that all but the last season. And uh, I don't I don't think that I would have stayed with Lost because the cliffhangers were so significant every time. I just don't think I physically could have watched it week to week <laughs> like most of the world did. It just like wouldn't have interested me. I would have just gotten frustrated with it. Now it's is like, it... oh, yeah, there's another giant thing. But when you could see the next one, then it was like, OK. Well, I mean, like, is it just as is it more incoherent watching it like at a time? Like, are you able to sort of see, like, wow, this really does make no sense as the show continues? Like, or I'm curious. I, mean, I thought Lost was kind of brilliant, actually. I mean, maybe it was because I watched it in a condensed way. Like, you don't have time to wait weeks and weeks to forget what the next crazy thing happens. Ah, okay. You know, okay. How it correlates. So, I, I, I thought Lost was a great show. But, um, but I, I, I mean, the last season was much less satisfying because... Like, I watched it up until the last season and then sort of caught bits of the last season as it came out. And it was just disappointing by comparison because I actually had to wait in real time. So I think it'd be an interesting study to see what people think about that in comparison. Like, I, I mean, I have the original series of Star Trek um, painstakingly recorded from VHS and uh, recorded onto DVDs now. So I have the entire run of the original Star Trek original but series. But Star Trek is not um, really sequential in right, the same right, way. Right, exactly, right, exactly. Like, it's, it's kind of episodic individual. It's more like a collection of short stories that are sort of about the same characters. That's right. And there's callbacks, like, you know, with different characters and different storylines have callbacks. But for the most part, it doesn't have this, like, one sort of, you know, narrative story. Whereas now, I think you've got a lot of shows that basically have, you know, in Lost's case, of course, it's telling a big story. But that's the way with, like, Archer and The Flash and, you know, I'm sorry, not Archer, um, Archer, that too. Arrow and The Flash and places like that. Like, those those clearly have an overall story they're telling as well as having kind of an episodic quality. So, yeah, that's true. Um, it's not quite the same thing. But, I, you know. Hey, let me ask you a question. If, uh, if MLB TV released baseball games in the same way that uh, Netflix <laughs> released the series. Would you watch all the games? Would you watch the last game? What would you uh, do? I, I, you know, I watched the, uh, I mean, I still have the um, 2004 ALCS, of course. Um, still bring that out every so often. It's a... What would they do if they're just like, all right, here's the season, 162 <laughs> games, enjoy. But they, they somehow keep it under wraps before that. Yeah. <laughs> just to let anybody they, know. They were just developing yeah, so... the baseball season in secret. And then you get all... <laughs> so can you find out through another means oh sure you can question. you can announce on facebook no spoilers don't tell me what happened to the red Sox all year long and then you're I'm waiting sure for work. the cp to be released and okay then... is it that feasible though does it mean that it's gonna get spoiled like well, you have to well i mean you live in boston and you see like lots and lots of news reports and people running around with red Sox jerseys that might suggest in october that might suggest they were doing pretty well right but like... honestly like i don't think it's any more difficult than trying to avoid game of thrones revelations like i think it's about the same level of difficulty if you haven't watched you know at the same right uh, interesting you know, well you could read the frequency books, as everybody else or you could do what i do and not care about game of thrones well yeah then, then so let's assume that 
everyone who's seen all the baseball games are like the people who read the books. And so there's this small group of baseball insiders with season tickets who know everything that's happened. And then everybody else is just waiting for the TV. They're, they're like all of you people who are shocked about the bloody sock, whatever, right? Who's with me? <laughs> all like doing virtual fist bumps over knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would watch like as long as it was interesting. I mean, for me, it's only like as a Mariners fan, it's only like 45 days that matter. It's not, <laughs> it's not like a full season commitment. So it's, it's like once like, they dip below 15, I have my good, you know, then you're yeah. like, I have my good month. And then like, <laughs> then we're out. Story could so. put together one full good show series, like right. season from yeah. all of the Mariners <laughs> history. Like it just okay, begins, and, it begins it with on, an opening okay. episode with like, Randy Johnson and Griffey, and then it ends with like Ichiro or something, and you know, Tino shows up there. Did you guys see Ichiro pitch last night? I heard about that. No, really, he pitched for the first time in his career. Uh, He he was like throwing sliders and curveballs, like like a real pitcher. It was crazy. Yep, he said it was his lifelong dream. Did he stay on the Marlins? Yeah, and he's, he's trying yeah. to come back next year because he wants those 65 hits so he can get the 3,000 number. He got a that, ton of playing time. How close time. he is? He got yeah, a ton of playing time because Stanton was down for most of the year to the detriment of my fantasy team. So and they thought, they thought that he was going to be. He should have been a starter anywhere except the Yankees. He would have uh, been a starter. He's not the same. I mean, he's. they thought he was going to be. No, like, he's he's a good off-the-bench player at this point. But he's, but you know, he's he could like he's got some speed, obviously, and you know he could. I don't know that he's going to have enough like at bats to get sixty five hits, but it could be. I mean, I don't know. Um, he definitely. It's interesting. I I hello. was I was talking about hello. What? Yes. Yeah. Hello. We're all here. We're here. Story. Oh dear. Hello. Right, here we go. This, here, here's here's the lesson that we want to learn here. Uh, I call you. That's not that's how it works. No no one calls okay. me when three people are calling. No, I, I actually was really excited about the possibility of doing a three way mep report where not you know two people are not able to hear each other. So you just have to laugh, <laughs> assuming that I'm basing things on your jokes and yeah. Just be like Russ just said the funniest thing, and I'll be like, uh, <laughs> don't oh say that God. about Russ. That's terrible. Why would you? <laughs> um, are you? recording now yes yeah I'm, I'm recording again uh the first file stopped so i'm gonna have to like just edit it together or something so um, when i dropped the file stopped that you when you dropped no when you dropped, we, were we were still talking we were still talking, talking about how much ichiro sucks ass and yeah <laughs> well i i was gonna come back when i thought i would be back in two seconds the joke was gonna be i can't believe you said that about ichiro but then yeah that would have been accurate I, I assumed you were just so angry you were like i'm out and you're just like peace and then immediately left yeah. Just for your edification story, Ichiro, because of injuries to the Marlins uh, starting outfielders, he played, he didn't start, but he played in 153 of their games this year. And he never started? Oh, he started plenty. He oh, just, okay. he, and he, he logged uh, almost 400 at bats. He hit 229, and he slugged 282, so that was <laughs> well, really awesome. Well, that's better than he ever slugged with. Yeah. <laughs> but But he normally, you know. No, that's not true. He normally, I mean, that is a higher differential from slugging to average. 
That's what I'm saying. Like he would normally hit 331 and slug 334. Like that's that's who Ichiro is. But like 334 is pretty good. So. Yeah, and he got he got 91 hits this year. So as Greg said, he only needs 65 more. So all he needs is is a team willing to hold on to an anchor for you know six months and kind of yeah, like typically play that's the, the Yankees, but I think they're done with that mode. You know, now. I gotta say, Russ, Ichiro's life in baseball reminds me of what your life in life is gonna be like. It's like that sounds I'm gonna, terrible. I'm gonna live forever, <laughs> and then you realize that like when you're 102, it actually just sucks to be 102. Like this uh, is what this is the debate we've always had, yes, right? I know. He's always like. He's always like, I will be speedy and fit forever. And then he turns 40 and he's like, oh, I'm just old. That's too bad. That but was... I will be speedy and fit forever. I know. This is your analysis oh. of like immortality the, is coupled with, is yeah. coupled oh, with people you, turning you, into a jellyfish. You missed our whole discussion about how LeBron James is going to play basketball till 110, but he'll just finish his career on the moon where it's just <laughs> less, less friction and yes. wear on his body. Well, because we, because <laughs> we were saying... Dunks. We were saying that, like, Yaramir Yager in hockey um, has signed another team, and he wants to play until he's 50. Right now, he's, like, 45 or 46. And Yaramir Yager's uh, rookie season was 25 years ago. And, and so we were talking about the fact that so many athletes end up retiring. And, of course, you know, most of the time they retire at an age like 38, 39, something like that, where they're kind of, in any other profession, they'd be considered kind of, you know, callow and just kind of coming into their own. And so right. these athletes retire, and then we still have them most of the time for like another, you know, four decades sometimes, you know, more Except than that. Except in football, I mean, where they're dead in five years. Well, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, I know. There is, there is that. Great, um, quickly. There is that. Unless they're kickers, in which case they'll be around for a very long time. Cause, you know, sure. But, um, but otherwise. No, but I mean, that's, can you I, know, that's the thing. Can so. I change gears on you guys really quickly? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a we'll hear bit... it out loud shortly. I know, because I'm very old. Uh, I just thought you meant I'm creepy I wanted to talk <laughs> yes. about Metamucil. <laughs> I may change gears and we put my hearing aid into either. I like prunes, have I mentioned oh, I do like prunes, it's sad. Um, I actually like prunes. So, there's we're kind of on the... Pr- I mean, I, I get that I, I probably say this about every seven MEP reports. <laughs> I know exactly where this is going but guys it's world war three for i'm real pretty sure we're on the precipice of world war three right oh, now God. and nobody cares facebook <laughs> is the least caring of all of the social networks twitter cares a little bit but only because i've gone out of my way to follow people <laughs> who follow such things but really really we're this is we're, we're we have a vietnam level military debacle unfolding and nobody cares nobody has anything to say there's just some tepid Washington Post articles about, oh, the Russians are also bombing. But, like, no, they're, they're taking away our hegemony. Our hegemony is being eroded one Soviet airstrike at a time, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean... I'm not defending America, by the way. I'm just saying that this is a big deal and nobody cares. I, I don't... I think it is remarkably... I'm going to take the other side. It is not a big deal at all. It is remarkable. Everyone would assume that this is a big deal, but it's not that big a deal at all because it's already over. Like, Russia just said, no, I'm going to do the other thing. I'm going to kill all those people that you just trained. What you got? And the U.S. is like, um... What do we got? Um... Yeah. Okay, right. we don't want to go to war over that. And yeah, so but here's the thing. What happened. Like, yeah. I mean, yes to what you just said. Sure, yes. that's accurate what you've just described. Right. 
Yes. But we've seen sort of a half-secret proxy war between the U.S. and Russia turn into a not-at-all-secret proxy war, which is a very obvious in-the-public-domain proxy war, which means that the stakes are getting raised, and now Saudi Arabia and Riyadh, uh, the United States, um, and Qatar, I guess, are the major actors on the Sunni extremist side of the okay. civil war. They're all like, okay, and I, yeah, presumably Israel as well. Um, all of them are like, all right, they've just raised the stakes uh, because now there's a massive looming coalition of Russia, China, Iran, uh, and the Assad, whatever's left of the Assad regime trying to you know, push uh, Sunni interests, or rather Shiite interests. So now I feel like the, 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 the Sunni coalition, including the United States, is like, oh, well, we, we have to escalate our game, which is why Obama just authorized giving weapons directly to militants, which we were kind of secretly doing in a third-party kind of way before, but now we're just like, all right, clearly nobody cares here, just have tanks. And I think we're just ramping up the civil war, and, and it's it, World War Three, you guys. This is it's happening. It's slowly developing. I, I, I just... Go ahead, story. Greg. Go ahead, Greg. I, I just World War Three. I, I, I'm more. I'm more or less in with story on this. I, I think the reason that nobody cares is that this is. I mean, the truth is that for a while, that particular area has been a little bit sort of back and forth. Like you said, you know, they're taking our hegemony one part of a time, and I'm like, you, you, that that was our that part was our hegemony. Like, like in the Pentagon, they're like, you know, the one that we really need is this area of the world. Like I. I don't really see this. Now, again, I don't want to whistle past the graveyard here, but to me, you know, a much greater concern are the actions of the country that are not checked by anyone else, you know, that are that are against, like, civilian operations. For example, the bombing, the horrific bombing of the, uh, you know, Doctors Without Borders uh, hospital in Afghanistan. Um, by an American. Yeah, by an American, yeah. yeah. Uh, by dr It's drone warfare. You know, that's, that's bad. It's terrible. Uh, you know, like that to me is a much bigger concern, albeit not leading to World War Three. I just don't see any of these things as being something which sort of that's the trigger point to all this sort of global conflagration when it's combined with these other factors that don't seem to be going in that direction. Like All right. Well let me let me paint For the example, picture. oil yeah. prices. Well hold on, hold on. Yeah. No, no. No, <laughs> they, they paint it even louder in technicolor. Um I mean like you know, keep in mind, right, that if you add in oil prices to all of this which normally you would see oil prices presumably spiking upon any potential like real like increase in military danger, right? Any kind of real risk in, in military operations on a large scale. And instead of what you've seen is the oil prices going in the opposite direction. Um, and it, it just does not yes. it does not feel like an enormous amount right. of tension that, that was, would lead to a global that, conflagration. That was World War Three is a high bar, man. World War Three is a high I bar. I know. I'm not whistling Dixie, man. Look, <laughs> we just levied massive sanctions on Russia in response to their aggression in the Ukraine. And Russia's response, in addition to just not caring generally and saying we'll live on our own wheat or whatever, is to say, oh, you seem to have a problem wiping out these ISIS guys that you're secretly supporting as your own privateer army. Here, let's go ahead and do that for you. And then we're in the position of, oh, they're actually really killing ISIS instead of the fake killing ISIS that we've been doing for an indeterminate amount of time. They're really sort of just exposing our complete inability to wipe out this force that we have no interest in wiping out. That's making that why us look really bad. But is it, look, wait a minute, but... Just, just sort of play devil's advocate for a minute. So if you're the White House 
And let's say you do want to wipe out ISIS, but various forces within the government make that impossible. Okay, I, I don't know. Like, who knows how far down the rabbit hole we go, right? But let's just say. And all of a sudden, you're like, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You're like, what do you think about this, Russia? And Russia's like, oh, yeah? Well, we're going to wipe out this terrorist organization for you. And you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, don't. No, no, don't do that. Oh, oh, you're going to wipe out it. Oh, God, no, please, please don't do that. Please, oh God! No, Briar Rabbit! Don't, that's, not, that's not the bri- don't throw me in the Briar Patch. No, no but, but I'm saying are. like, going, but I'm saying going, like, why is that bad? If, if they're tr- if it's true, they just like yes, we get to have a terrorist organization wiped out. We put no boots on the ground ourselves, and Russia gets to also be weakened in the process. Huzzah! Well, like, presumably how- the reason that it's bad for our strategic interest and the reason that we've been dabbling in this really dangerous game for as long as we have is because we're about to lose complete control of Iraq. And Syria, because the Iranian influence, I mean, Iran is on the verge of sending, uh, you know, thousands of ground troops of its own into Syria to wipe out the, the remnants of ISIS. And if that happens, Iran will have secured the Assad regime, uh, captured Iraq basically for itself with Russia's military support. I'm waiting. And well, completely lost our influence in the region. But I'm waiting for this to be bad. Like, I, I don't because I mean, quite here's frankly, the problem, Russ. Here's the problem. You have to believe, for World War III to happen, you have to believe that the U.S. and or Russia, even one of them, you really have to believe that both of them, but I'll give you, if you have to believe one of them cares enough about Syria to risk Washington, D.C. slash Moscow. And they, they don't. They don't. I agree. They don't. There is no one in either country, not even the crazy batshit people in the military care enough about Syria for this to matter at that level. Now, there's no what I will it, say, <laughs> what I will tell you, yeah, now, what I will say is that they may be perfectly content to fight a proxy war and rattle their sabers and go ooga booga proxy war while they both make bank because the countries are constructed at this point to make a lot of money off of the, their militaries, and that's the only thing that has a blank check in the U.S., and pretty much the only thing that has a blank check in Russia, so they can keep restocking and refueling the military and sending the planes over and bombing the hospitals and arming whoever is left, you know. And, hey, look, if Russia kills the people that we arm, they're just doing us the favor of saving them from turning on us later, right? Yep, like, that's so, right. you know, like... <laughs> Before like, they have a chance ISIS to go rogue and the create the second most death. amount of Humvees in the Middle East right. behind the U.S. Right. Like, U.S.-made exactly. Humvees. Exactly. Like, so, you know, you know, which, which, you know, who knows how many permutations And, and I'll, I'll go a step... I'll go a step <laughs> yeah, no, I'll go a step further yeah. than that, also. Um, the other thing is, I want the regional actors, not us, to be in control. I want, and, and let's keep in mind, even if it's with Russian support... Iran is not a small country. Iran is not Iraq. That's why, had we not made the deal with Iran, I would be much more nervous. Iran, or, you know, the deal that's being put into place. Iran, to me, I would rather have a relatively moderate, for all the issue with the mullahs and everything else, that is a relatively moderate, one of the most wired countries in the world, including the United States, with an enormous young population that is well-educated and largely Western-directed. Uh, directed by which I mean, like, you know, in favor of Western Western influence. You're barking up the wrong tree. I don't, I'm not making any value judgments about whether the (laughs) Sunnis or the Shiites should be in control of which, like, I don't care. I know. I'm just saying that in 1914, there was some podcast where somebody was like, who cares about (laughs) Archduke Franz Ferdinand? Like, we're not going to start a war over Archduke Franz Ferdinand and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. That's ridiculous. There's major countries at stake here. And then... Everybody just fell into line like dominoes, and then World War I. I would okay, posit the- that 
had there been nuclear weapons in 1914, World War One wouldn't have happened. I would also further posit that the reason that you don't have Archduke Franz Ferdinand is because you've already had Archduke Franz Ferdinand. You have the large, steaming example of what happens when we do something stupid like that. You're right. History never repeats itself. No, I didn't say that it never does, but I'm saying it has a profound effect, which is why we have the whole thing of Godwin's Law, which is why we say everything eventually ends with the Nazis. And that's because we don't forget, you know, we can't forget about it because we're constantly, you know, bringing it back up, as we should. Um, bring up the issues that came out, you know, with, with appeasement. The problem is, okay. therefore, then it gets sort of assigned to other things. So my point is, I would rather have the United States has made so many horrific errors. I would rather have the United States nowhere near the Middle East for, let's say, five decades. That should be enough time for them to be able to figure out what the hell they want to do without us. So if we're losing influence, awesome. Well, wait, does that mean we won't have access to gas, which means we have to further advance what every other country is doing, which is accelerating new alternate sources of energy? Awesome. I am fine with that. Okay. I'm cool with all that. My, my last salvo in this, this discussion is, again, <laughs> I'm not making any value judgments. I'm not saying the loss of U.S. hegemony is bad in any way. You guys know my positions on this thing. Yes. What I am saying is that a dangerous, drunken, overfunded beast that is the U.S. military-industrial complex is unlikely to just give up and cede the entire Middle East to Russia, China, and Iran. I think what's more likely is that through proxies, through quote-unquote moderate Syrian opposition, i.e. al-Qaeda, that we are following <laughs> weapons and ammo into, because now there are only friends left in the region. Um, th th like, I just read an article yesterday that in one of the strikes, um, a Russian warplane was within like five kilometers of the Turkish border, and the Turkish radar went berserk, and they had a radar lock on this Russian aircraft, and they're like, if you go a kilometer further, we're going to shoot you down. Like, something like that could very easily happen, and things could spiral out of control despite everyone's best intentions. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I mean, listen, there's, there's all, obviously, obviously, there are, whenever the military is involved, there are dangerous situations afoot. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I think that story's got the right sort of political analysis, and the reason it's important to get it right is that it means we really need to be focusing on the actual dangerous areas of the world and not really sort of, you know, worrying about exchanging one strong man for another. At least this way, to me, you're exchanging a largely, you know, regional strong man, which is frankly what we had in Iraq, but anyway, um, for us, and I think that that's a positive thing. Russia's involvement in it, I would be more concerned of that if I weren't, you know, aware of the fact that Russia's overall interest in invading everything else in the world is going to be limited because uh, Putin is going to be restricted by the oligarchs that continue to back him. And there's not a whole lot of money in, uh, you know, continually sort of invading these other places and creating an environment where the sanctions ultimately cripple the Russian economy. It doesn't have the diversity the United States does, and it doesn't have uh, the United States economy does, and it doesn't have the ability to stand up to it. So ultimately, there's limitations there. Um, you know, so that, that's not to whistle past the graveyard. It's just I, I, don't, I don't see that as sort of the trigger line, you know, where all these other things are going to happen, in, in my view. Dear future aliens who have dug up this podcast <laughs> from beneath the radioactive rubble. It's fine. Airways, I believe, despite the evidence you have in your possession to the contrary, that Russ may have been correct about what happened subsequently. If that's the case, I, I apologize in advance to Russ for having misunderstood him. I believe that the the people of the military industrial complex do not give a bleep 
whether they win or not, as long as they get paid. I don't think, you know, I, I mean, this is why Donald Trump is appealing to people, right? Because now Donald Trump, now, now caveat, if Donald Trump gets elected, all bets well, then are all off. Bets are I, off. Yeah, then, yeah, I mean, yeah, then God Trump knows. If Donald Trump gets elected, then like DEFCON goes to negative one. Like right. that's fine. Okay. But, but also at until, that point, we confirm that we are playing a video game, which you've always suspected. Like, I mean, well, if he gets elected, exactly. that's really true. So, but he cares about winning. <laughs> The rest of the people, they just care to get b about getting paid, right? It's just they've got the big fat contract. The U.S. has has done its work to get the big fat contract, the Etro contract, where they get put out to pasture. They can hit two twenty nine as long as they cash those checks, and the checks are good. U.S. is fat and happy. That's what's going on. It's yeah. just about the bottom line. So it's fine. <laughs> okay, can I just make one more point, and I'm not going to push my agenda any further, which nobody cares about. And another thing. Uh, <laughs> the aliens care very much, because it explains to them how they came upon this They're podcast. like, no, 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 stop! don't stop talking about <laughs> yeah. it, except they say it in alien language. So, but my question is, I don't feel like the reason that this discussion is not happening on Facebook is because of the cogent arguments that both of you are making about <laughs> Why it probably Kim Kardashian gave me this argument. What are you yeah. talking about? But this is just I a very complex like, version of Kim Kardashian, really. <laughs> like, regardless of whether you are being a little bit more reasonable or whether I'm more reasonable, nobody's having this discussion in America at all. And they're not even close to this discussion. And that, I think, is really scary well, because if we it's a Vietnam-level debacle and the whole rest of the educated Western world is aware of this and we're not, then we're living in... Bread and circuses post Wait a minute, though. Rome Empire collapse but, land. But it strikes me are. that this is like you declaring um, your frustration at the lack of knowledge for the American public. And to prove it, you go look at E or like the WB, you know what I mean? Or whatever it's called now, the CW. Like, right. I mean, you know, so, yeah, you you went into a McDonald's and were shocked that there was no fine dining. Like if you go to Facebook, you're not likely to find like lots of in-depth, elaborate news. You know, you've got to go to places like the BBC. You've got I, to go to like I the NARC. You know, I live a life where I'm in contact with like real life physical human beings all the time also. And they don't talk about this, what's going on, other than my one or two political friends. But I mean, again, this could be endemic to Los Angeles. So I'm hoping that you will tell me stories of New Orleans slash Bronx <laughs> natives who are concerned about this. I mean, somebody should be. No, but I, I don't. I don't hang out with improv people most of the time, so I. You can't know where speak you can go, anymore. Russ. You can go back to APTA, which is where you learned to be sensitive to the fact that the world is changing and nobody cares. Because <laughs> APTA is the place, and I've gone back repeatedly. I know where people actually care about these things, discuss them cogently, and advance arguments. Unfortunately, the height of intellectuality is a college debate league in this country. I don't really know why that ended up where things fossilized and how professional debating became like a sideshow, but that's the way it is. Listen, it's, it's better than having no intellectual high. I mean, at least right, there's absolutely. Have at that, least there's know? a place you can go, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's totally true. In fact, I want to I wanna segue off of this because um, – I don't know if you guys have seen this story, but it's going to be a perfect example of people uh, who need to be better educated. So have you guys heard about the McGraw-Hill textbook uh, controversy? You guys heard about this? A little bit, yeah. So Facebook, Russ, I found out. Oh, you found out about it on Facebook? <laughs> See, they care about this. See? Damn it. Um, <laughs> the world is ending. Jesus. By the end of the show, we're like, so then this advanced scientific talk I saw on Facebook, Russ is like, God, <laughs> son of a... <laughs> like, God damn it. 
<laughs> um, so, Russ, have you seen this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I'm not sure exactly. So uh, there is a textbook. Not how he wanted to spend his last hour. There was a character <laughs> on Facebook. There was a person on Facebook um, whose name is Ronnie Dean Burren who found something in her ninth grade son's high school geography textbook published by McGraw-Hill. And it is a picture. In fact, I'm going to – I think I may actually uh, – I may send you guys a link to Skype while we're talking so you can you can read along with the class. Here you go. I've just put it in the Skype window. Um, but for our video. listeners at home, uh, <laughs> so what this is is it's a picture of uh, the southeastern portion of the United States. And the caption is mm. the Atlantic slave trade between the 1500s and 1800s brought millions of workers from Africa to the southern United States to work on agricultural plantations. Now, if you didn't look carefully at the whole Atlantic, the slave part, and you heard brought millions of workers to work on agricultural plantations, you think you might be sort of like, oh, like they, they, they came and swept into the country because they felt like they had a chance for a better life and a job. You know what's left out when you call someone millions of workers? Slavery. <laughs> they, were, they were not workers. It wasn't like, come here and we'll give you some benefits. It was slaves. It brought yeah, millions of slaves. Yeah, it was just a company that happened to be named the Atlantic Slave Trade, but they had <laughs> yeah, no association. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. It's like a, it was like a punk band, the Atlantic Slave Trade. No, you know what I mean? Like, what the, what? And but so there you was mean this... anthropology doesn't have any studies of, like, fossils inside of the store? That is just... I, ju I just, and, you know... clothing? So, and, and so she <laughs> put this viral video where she basically, and she's in Texas, of course, where textbook making goes to die. So she actually produced this like video and it went viral. And so McGraw-Hill finally acknowledged, like released the statement. They said, you know, this week we became aware of a concern regarding a caption reference to slavery on a map in one of our world geography programs. Quick note, part of the problem is that the caption doesn't really reference slavery all that much. This program addresses slavery in the world in several lessons and meets the learning objectives of the course. However, we conducted a close review of the content, by which I guess we mean I actually looked at the caption we put in our own book, and agree that our language in that caption did not adequately convey that Africans were both forced into migration and to labor against their will to slaves. I think one of the ways you could have adequately conveyed it is by writing slaves instead of millions of workers, <laughs> like millions of people who thought they would just hang out and do work. Like, so he says, we believe we can do better. To communicate these facts more clearly, we will update this caption to describe the arrival of African slaves in the U.S. as a forced migration and emphasize that their work was done as slave labor. Okay, that's good. These changes will be reflected in the digital version of the program immediately and will be included in the program's next print run. Now, the problem with all this, which the article on Daily Cost that I was reading this on points out, is that updating this isn't enough because in the meantime, all the kids with the physical textbooks are like, oh, Millions of workers. That's interesting. I guess they had a good time at the Atlantic slave trade, checking out that awesome punk band. Like, what? You 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 have to take. It's it's wrong. Like, you need to remove the book from the classroom and put in the book that says they were slaves because slaves because also they were slaves and also did I mention slaves? Why not slaves? just encourage encourage teachers to have the kids cross out words within the caption in their textbook and write in slaves? Yeah, I hadn't thought like about defacing. Well, that's a great idea. Defacing's a good idea, actually. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Or just rip out that part of the book. But, I mean, you know, this is part of the issue that has been concerned, uh, you know, they've, that people have been concerned about for a while with the Texas Board of Education, um, you know, putting in a bunch of things that, as usual, whitewash the South's role in slavery and whitewash the fact that the Civil War was 100% about slavery, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, I mean, I just, I, I just, it's amazing to me to see 
in the sort of because we're all familiar with the high school textbook you know we're familiar or even middle school for that matter and like you know the kind of glossy things and you know they normally when i went to school you know they were owned by like you know 10 different kids before you you know and like all their names mm-hmm. were all scribbled in the textbook or whatever and they've got the shiny glossy pages and there's an authority about a textbook you know and and you're looking at it and you're just like ah millions of workers not slaves millions well, of workers in in the half blood prince's uh, geographic geography textbook <laughs> they'll just say, this would they'll work say just fine slave. <laughs> <laughs> they'll cross it out and write slaves exactly. and harry potter will go excuse me but weren't they actually slaves yes. but it occurs to me it does is it, occur- is it- <laughs> yeah no Sorry. go ahead uh, no, I was going to say, is it is it bad that like part of me actually thinks that this is in reverse, that this is just the beginning indoctrination of getting workers used to being treated like slaves? That is just oh, like, we're yeah. actually we're, we're actually explaining for. the third world reality and status quo. And it's like workers, Bangladeshi workers who voluntarily work 16 hour days for three cents when they are 12 because workers it's just like we've lost the distinction more right that's true um self-starting low compensation uh agents exactly (laughs) right exactly brought together by the apple uh indentured servitude corporation exactly yeah it's you know who knows i mean but it's it is that indoctrination thing is a good point you know that like this is where it happens on a very limited level. You know, it starts here and then gradually kind of grows from there. And then I guess people end up, according to Russ, you know, ignoring his proxy war and, you know, on Facebook, but um, it's, it's (laughs) these things happen. But that to me, it just, it just amazed me though. And it's like, again, you just don't expect, like, it just always, like at best, these textbooks always felt like kind of, you know, like, like boring and like sort of stuffy and not up with the times, but like, I never really thought of any textbook that I was reading as having a specific political agenda per se. I just thought of them as having this kind of boring, stuffy, like, you know, limited view of the world, but not one that was actively promoting a, you know, particular and wrong in this case, um, you know, view of sort of history. And I mean, I guess the people's history of the, because like I read the people, you know, a people's history, Howard's in, like we, we read mm-hmm. that in my AP history class. Like I, you know, so I never felt like I wasn't getting the whole story. You know, when I read a textbook, I just was like, all right, well, this is a textbook and it's kind of boring and stuffy, but not actively incorrectly characterizing reality. You know, I'm so. amazed that we're about to hit 2016 and we're still talking about textbooks in physical schools. Yes, <laughs> in physical school. And physical people in the schools, like physical and, students. Yeah, people well, should be in their pods in the <laughs> Matrix, having all of their lessons subconsciously programmed into their cerebral cortex, and then go, whoa, I know Kung Fu, and then go about their day. Are you disappointed, Russ, that we have not advanced yet to the time of the Matrix? Even though uh, we're now 15, 16 years past when the Matrix actually was supposed well, to be. Well, we may be we may be in the Matrix, Greg. That still is yet to be determined. Yeah, that's very true. There's a, there's a going... Here's something that nobody's ever talked about on Facebook. There's a going <laughs> debate among cosmologists and theologians that uh, statistically it is more likely that our life is a simulation than it is the, the real actual life uh, just because they posit that advanced civilizations running out of resources or finding the galaxy expanding too quickly, like they will create super realistic simulations of life that people will live in just like we do now that are less than super realistic with uh, The Sims and video games and that sort of thing. 
Um, and that there will become a point where the technology makes it impossible to discern the difference between the simulation and the, the reality. And just because of the possibility that you can create those kind of simulations, there are going to be more simulations than there are going to be real worlds. And so therefore, it's more likely that we live in one of those. So because people in the future would presumably be interested in simulations, it's more likely that we are in such a simulation? Yeah. I mean, if you take that, you can create like an infinite number of these simulations that are indistinguishable from reality, and there's only one thread of reality, then it's just, it's more likely that our existence is within one of those simulations. The argument goes like this. How many Minecraft planets exist on Earth right now versus how many Earth planets? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the sort of infinitely more likely yeah, argument. Yeah, because I know, I know with... Yeah, because I know it was some amusement that the people who usually bring up this thing about how it's, you know, it's likely that we're doing X, Y, and Z, that most of the time the people who are claiming that are people who are far more interested and aware of like sort of internet existence and culture and simulations and games and things like that than people who, most of whom on the planet have no idea what we're talking about, right? Like, I mean, they, they in other words, people who would love to run simulations have a tendency to think we might be in a simulation. But there's no guarantee that that's how, you know, other societies would proceed. They might proceed where they just sort of, you know, hang out in a relatively agrarian society and they just, you know, and they like send ships off worlds maybe, but not even necessarily. And OK, you know, but given the society that we have, I mean, it's pretty clear that if we were able to create a virtual reality that was, you couldn't distinguish from reality, like we would we would certainly do it. And well, profit we would, but that, that, that would do just us, though. I mean, that's just because of us. Right. I mean, it certainly explains why we haven't run into any other creatures, right? Why we haven't found any other aliens, because I mean, someone yet. made an isolated yeah. area. That, that part of space is still buffering. We haven't loaded. <laughs> no, it's, it's because they haven't patched it like in Spore. They haven't, they haven't, they're still waiting to do that. You know, because, that, I mean, yeah, I, I just think, like, those things, we just haven't found them yet. I mean, the likelihood is there are aliens, we just haven't. Well, of course there are aliens. It's mathematically guaranteed that there are aliens, but why haven't we had contact with any of them? Well, because they see us having discussions and they're like, listen, they can't even get the war in Afghanistan. I mean, the war in uh, Syria, right? I mean, like, they don't talk about it on Facebook, so why should we contact them? I mean, so, I think that's actually a fairly compelling argument. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think I, it's I, possible that we're under close surveillance and it's like, well, once they've learned the first lesson of life, which is stop eating each other around the head with sticks, then we'll talk to them. Nope, they're still working on it. How many millennia are we into this? Okay. Let's uh, go get a sandwich. I, it, tell me if I've already mentioned this on the show before. I went and watched this old YouTube clip of a response to the moon landing. It was a Walter Cronkite broadcast of the day of the moon landing. It, it just happened. And they're interviewing two of my favorite luminaries, Arthur C. Clarke and Robert Heinlein, who were just elated. And they were like, this is the greatest day humanity's ever had. We have uh, left our adolescence. We are maturing as a species, blah, blah, blah. And they were both, both of them were convinced that we would be living on the moon in a few decades and that our children would grow up on the moon. And that was, you know, 50 years ago. Well, they were born before there was flight, right? And then they saw yeah. that. So, like, yeah, when you're going at that trajectory, I mean, we've gotten very good at creating virtual worlds. But, like, the, the pace of our lifetime has not looked like that technologically. We have the Internet and we have the Kardashians. But, like, 
Going uh, from no flight to the moon is, you know, it's a big difference. How much do I wish the Kardashians were like a species of interstellar warriors rather than <laughs> who they actually are? Not as much as they do, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Not, they're working on it. They're trying real hard. Well, you I know promise what? that this whole thing isn't just me hating on Facebook. I think is a larger issue at stake. <laughs> And I hate Facebook. My entire next show, the entire next show, all I'm going to bring to the show are amazingly interesting intellectual things I've collected on Facebook. Good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, uh, you know, it's funny. As you were mentioning this, I had just popped up because I was reading that thing from Daily Cause that I told you guys about, about the, uh, the textbook. And so I popped up and the front page has um, a discussion of The Martian, um, which, as you guys know, is out right about now, I believe. Um, and has gotten, from what I understand, pretty good reviews based on an originally self-published novel, um, which is indicative of the fact that people love what they love. And so, it, you know, good work can now become good work regardless of whether traditionally published or not. But, um, but it's a story that's basically Robinson Crusoe on Mars, and it talks about the sort of optimistic space age, like the optimism of the 1950s and 60s, which is exactly what you were just talking about, Russ, um, mm -hmm. and how that was sort of what's being sort of tied into. And they're almost kind of hearkening back to that, sort of like the days when we had wonder and the days when, you know, these people were heroes and we could we could sort of think of them as heroes and try to go, you know, imagine them as heroes because they were sort of getting us out of our own shell, kind of getting us off the earth and giving us a moral equivalent for war. So and that, you know, that ultimately may still happen. I think it's just that, you know, there is an argument to be made that we do also have to think about the people on this earth while we are watching people go beyond it, you know, um, uh, and, you know, I'm very thankful for Neil deGrasse Tyson in his role as a chief optimist engineer yeah. uh, about space exploration. He's doing a wonderful job. Everyone loves that dude. Yeah. <laughs> Except that he hates philosophy, so, you know, I don't love him. Does he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been very outspoken about, like, there should be no philosophy departments in colleges, and it's all wow. waste of time. I did not know oh, that, yeah. really. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's, like, very anti- He's like anti most of the things that I believe in. He's just like science is all that matters. Science, oh, science, science. Well, I know you how much yeah. you love it, so that that would actually yeah, work out. So, oh, yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson, I thought was someone everyone could agree was a cool guy. Uh -huh. No, not so much. Man, so you need to have basically the same kind of guy, but you just need to have him like loving philosophy. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it's. It's good that like people are unabashedly intellectual, but like beating up on philosophy is kind of unabashedly anti-intellectual, unfortunately. So, yeah. But you wouldn't make an argument that he was unabashedly anti-intellectual. I mean, no. I mean, I'm saying that like, but making that argument is, yes. I think, yes. I can see why. Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't imagine it that way, but I can see why you would say that. Sure, that's that's yeah. fair enough. No, I mean, you know, as you know, I I wouldn't want to. Uh, I wouldn't want to throw all of our eggs in the basket of science anyway. I'm sure Russ is just like, you know, he's, he's so... Now, hey, that, does, that does Neil deGrasse... Though, does if that, is Neil that, deGrasse Tyson was like a fringe Democratic candidate, like, wouldn't that be better than Donald Trump, even though you have this issue with him? I mean, any I fringe mean, Democratic candidate would be better than, than Donald... I mean, I mean, I would probably Barack vote for be Trump over Hillary Trump. today, but, like, other oh. than that... <laughs> That's oh, like hey, the speaking only of which, worse. no, you guys no, know that... not speaking of this. Let's not get into this argument right now. <laughs> no, do, no, no. Do you, you guys know that Larry Lessig is running for president under the yes. Democratic banner? I you heard about that. that? This is, this is another thing that uh, is I on, found it on, on Facebook. Facebook. Did you? 
Son of a! I swear to God, I do. But it's because it was Apta Friends. It's like I have yeah. generations. I have like three different generations of Apta Friends. So it was one of the more recent Apta Friends. Yeah, I, I fully expect to hear Russ all of a sudden just go Street Fighter on it. Oh no, kid! Like just on the Facebook. Page. I'm I'm seriously on your wall. Like every time for the next week, I, I make it a solemn vow. Every time I find something intellectual on Facebook, I'm gonna share it to your wall. <laughs> Gonna be only awesome. stories friends network i was just yeah, about to say that i was like the problem is like see facebook's doing it no story on facebook is doing it like story on anywhere would be doing the same thing i mean that's the problem just right? Russ, all like, my friends Russ, just send a thousand friend requests tonight like that's the problem yeah. i know i know about this but i go on facebook once a week to wish people happy birthday like that's the extent of my facebook involvement so i don't really i'm not the, I'd, be, I'd be more likely to know just, it on twitter actually i'd be more likely go on to facebook to promote improv shows into the void of nobody right. Listening. Improv <laughs> yeah. show Tuesday, improv show Thursday, improv show Saturday. No one came. No one came. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. There's got to be a small percentage of people who find out through Facebook, right? Right? Oh, oh, tons of people come to improv shows because of Facebook, but much like Stories Network is unique, my network is unique in that nobody of my friends comes to my improv shows because. <laughs> They all have improv exhaustion from me sending out invites. Or, or they live 3,000 miles like, away. God, stop. No, I only, only, I'm only LA people. I don't know how to use Facebook. Oh, yeah. Who cares they, about those East Coast people anyway? Um, but anyway, Larry Lessig, who has raised over a million dollars in a very short amount of time, um, which makes him the third highest fundraiser among the Democratic candidates after um, Hillary and Bernie, is maybe but probably not going to be invited to the next Democratic debate because the powers that be are like, What's this Lessig guy's deal? He's fringe. He wants to talk about campaign finance reform the whole time, and that's his whole deal. We don't like that. And so he may not get into the debate despite having the third uh, most money raised, even though he just announced his candidacy like a couple weeks ago or something. Like I think that. we do need the liberal Steve Forbes um, on our side. I definitely do think we need a one-issue candidate to get in. Just to just well, also, as you know, I support him as being the only presidential candidate who has written a blog article about me. So. <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite part of it. Has written a you what? Might get a cabinet post. A blog issue about what? He wrote a blog article about me. About me. Uh oh. Okay, I vaguely remember this. I remember. I mean, I know your connection with Lawrence Lessig, but I didn't know that you had written. It was about blog. my battle with uh, MLB yeah. media over the Intellectual video that I made. They took down, Josh. and then I yelled at them, and they put it back up, and then I made fun of them, and then they took it down again. And then it was like, I will use this in my soon-to-be presidential campaign some years from now. Yeah, well, it's true. If yeah, you were a post. talking point, then I will still not switch to Democratic affiliation to vote in the primary for Lessig any more than I will for Bernie. But I will cheer you on from afar. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that's true. Would, now, if Russ, if uh, he ended up getting into a general election, would you vote for him um, with the fact that Russ was on over board? Over Bernie? Over Bernie, he wouldn't. Ooh, they were both in the general election. I mean, but if for, Russ, first, first hey, of how all, much power? How much power is simulation Russ life as if opposed Russ to real life? If like Secretary of State, then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Russ would be under like, Secretary if, of Drug ooh. Improv ooh. Policy. Yeah, yeah. like if more Russ likely. Is, yeah. If Russ is like comedian in chief, me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I would be like the poet laureate to baseball IPR issues. Yeah, that would be <laughs> yeah exactly. No, sorry. MLB uh, signaled concern today over the appointment of, uh, of Russ Goberman to the new <laughs> internet baseball joking czar position. Intellectual property video game. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I love I love a world in which your two candidates are Lawrence Lessig and Bernie Sanders. That's 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 quite a world there. That's God bless him. God bless those guys. No, I mean I wouldn't listen if that was the actual election. I, I wouldn't complain. Unfortunately, the current state of Facebook prohibits those two candidates from being the final two. <laughs> They're all I see on Facebook. I didn't even know Hillary was running off I, of my Facebook. I know. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like you guys live and just totally like, what? I, you're the good old boys. I thought you were the good old boys. Like, like story is like a completely different experience. Like his Facebook is just a delightful love letter to like academia and intellectual like discussion from like 2000. You know, and Russ just like wanders the landscape of the Cormac McCarthy's road style post-apocalyptic, you know, posts on Kim Kardashian and Lady Gaga. And, you know, it's totally a different experience. So much. Only because yeah, I've spent ahead. like five years cultivating a Twitter following that gets me the same information that Facebook's that Stories Facebook does just by itself. Right. I don't understand how you follow followers. anything at Twitter. Like Twitter is just so cacophonous. It's just like five thousand things in a row. When yeah. they link to other pro like other things, that's when I check it out. When it like links to another larger article. Well, that's my whole feed. Is that is just I mean everything that I post is obviously linking to an article because that's what my profile does. But everyone that I follow is it's just pure informational. It has nothing to do with people's you know thoughts day to day. I don't follow any of those people. It's just informational articles. It's like an RSS reader, really, the way that I use Twitter. That's what's gotten uh, Russ to his thirty-seven thousand uh, follower amount. His staggering, not hyperbole, staggering reach. You know, among uh, like the, those people who collectively like uh, to wear um, slippers that they pretend are shoes and um, enjoy right. alternate herbal remedies. And, At least uh, they try to teach each other things, unlike everyone else's <laughs> Facebook. I believe, I'm telling believe you, that Syria the entire is World week, War III. You're going to get bombarded. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking already. It's going to be great. <laughs> going to be awesome. <laughs> Oh, All right, but you know what? Hey, I'm going to make this caveat. Um, the, these things have to pass muster through the Facebook algorithm, which means you can't go digging for hours looking for this shit. Like, they have to pop up. No, I'm right, of course. They have to be, like, in the first couple scrolls of my feed. Yeah, where I see them all the time. You think I go digging for Lawrence Lessig? Come on, man. Come <laughs> You're on. like, you know what I want to know? What is Lawrence Lessig doing on Facebook these days? Yeah, exactly. See, I just scroll down and uh, look, and right now I'm looking on daily costs at vertigo homeopathic treatment. So I've got, you know, it's it's a different it's a different uh, environment. One of my greatest fears is that Twitter will one day employ an algorithm like Facebook's and try to think that it's giving me things that I want to see. I, I hope that never ever happens uh, because that will ruin my whole learning experience on Twitter. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So let me ask before we uh, wrap up, Story, I know what Russ thinks yes. about this. Do you think Twitter is a net positive given its ability to, for example, its role in the Arab Spring, um, you know, given its ability to impact the world theoretically in a positive way separate from media control? Or do you view it as a cacophonous disaster that does not further the public discourse? I'm curious. Huh. I mean, I don't fully understand Twitter or how anyone can get anything other than dissatisfaction out of it. But I assume that people are not lying. Like, I'm not a solipsist. I assume that people are not lying to me when they say that they do. And I love Facebook. I, like, adore the bejesus out of Facebook because it connects me to people that I otherwise wouldn't be that connected to in my life. It's 
it's a place where everyone can go and share things with sort of a casual free form. And so I assume Twitter is like that for other people in some way, somehow. And so I am, I'm pro, I'm pro basically all social media networks. I do lament the loss of the era when blog, when like everybody was just starting a blog and everyone had a blog because it was a longer form content. Right. And that's my biggest problem with Twitter is that even though you can link to longer thoughts, it's very destructive to attention span. And that gets frustrating. Like I just think anything that by nature limits itself to a very narrow form of communication. Like, I just think it's like the poor man's Facebook. It's just like inferior to Facebook in every way, but still a net positive, like pretty clearly, I would say. I mean, obviously like, once TPP gets passed, corporations will take over all of these things anyway. And like my thought will have to have brought to you by Chevron because Chevron will own the government and make all the laws like officially instead of just closetedly. So, uh, you know, this is like our last free episode. But right, right. once, you know, so that'll be problematic. Didn't, but that happened, right? Everything passed. It didn't pass yet. It has to be ratified by every government. So there is still some hope. But the the governments have all come up with their their agreement they've all conspired to come up with the agreement to hand over the reins to the corporations but then they have to convince every legislature to this do was that. actually the what they and they, they actually classified it that way they actually said we're now handing over the government to the corporations it says it right yeah. there like clause one i mean so. basically like actually it says that the that corporations can sue governments for for interfering with their profits what does that read like to you, Greg? That's not okay. Well, I, I this is this is not actually the read on what the TPP does, but I it would okay. it would take us another hour to go through it, and uh, and I don't want to go over to Facebook Let's to get my give information. Give the tiebreaker so to Lawrence Lessig on this one. What is? Oh God, that's not a tiebreaker. <laughs> Lawrence Lessig is. Let's give the tiebreaker. What Cornell West? Your thoughts? Like what? What is your? You have three votes. You have Story Clayton, <laughs> Bernie Sanders, and Lawrence Lessig. Any of them could come up with any opinion under the sun. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, the non-biased panel of Bernie Sanders, <laughs> of Karl Marx, of, like, this is awesome. Oh, man. Well, uh, we have come, gentlemen, to the end of another hour. Uh, it was a very fun hour, actually. I, I uh, really enjoyed this. Um, and I think I largely enjoyed it because uh, it taught me things that I didn't realize when I was looking at Facebook. Um, so <laughs> Do you know I, where it's yeah. going to be posted soon, though? Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> so if you're following <laughs> us over on our Facebook page, please make sure to like us. Please make sure to link us to your Cardassian articles. Make sure that you send Russ anything intellectual that you've ever done. Please send that to him at uh, russellreport.com or on the links there. And if you do so, Russ will give you um, at least some percentage of a MEP coin. Right, Russ? Can yes. I say that? Like you'll, you'll I will. Yeah. Yes. Have so, it. So Have if you send them intellectual stuff, he will give you some MEP coin. Um, and uh, you should do that before we're taken over by the one world government. Just saying. Say goodbye, everybody. Brought to you by Chevron. By the one corporate government. By the one non-government. Just the one world corporation. That's what's coming for us. Uh, yes. Town, you guys. Friends for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last time I saw old man emu, he was chasing a female he knew, as he shot past, I heard him say, she can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo. She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo.
Well, there is a moral to this ditty, um, better did da da da. Crush can sing, but he ain't pretty, um, better did da da da. Duck can swim, but he can't sing, nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can round the fence on a kangaroo. Well, the kookaburra laughed and he said, It's true, um, better did da da da. Ah! 